And boom, we're back for another episode of AlphaCast. I'm Mike Winner, and I'm here as always with the great Dr. Bear Paul Lando, coming to you live and direct from the state of Jefferson here on the beautiful Smith River. The sun is shining. We've had a couple days of rain finally. And it uh, looks like uh, winter's got a couple more weeks left and then, and then beautiful spring will be here and we'll be busy out on the farm getting uh, the Jaugulan is already coming up. We we're excited about it. We were uh, hanging out with some friends over the weekend and had the kids pulling out um, some of the old uh, Jaugulan vines off the trellises and watching the little baby sprouts coming up. So spring is here. It's coming here and it's an exciting time on the farm. And uh, yeah, it's uh, been a really fun ride so far, man. I can't believe we're already in March and uh, bear. Uh, how's the, how's everything happening with you over there uh, so far this week? Good. Just uh, business as usual. Uh, you're right. The little rascals are popping their heads out of the ground already. Um, you know, we've had kind of a weird weather year with a lot of geoengineering. So we had our normal um, rainy season abruptly stopped at the same exact time. We noticed a lot of heavy spraying last year. A lot of people in the Southern Oregon area were all getting this mysterious illness, um, uh, complete with some friends of ours that had a an interesting call from uh, somebody within the government that said, Hey, how many people are sick in your little town? And, uh, you know, just kind of weird stuff. And uh, when asked um, who the person was, she was very vague about her position in the government, but just somehow knew that she expected a lot of people to be sick and nothing to do with all that other stuff that we always talk about. Anyway, um, yeah, <laughs> and, interesting and, uh, year. Yeah. Uh, and I guess stuff going on. I guess there was government trucks or something that they had seen. Someone had seen spraying something in this little town. Spraying, yeah, spraying. Mm. And then the uh, the mysterious uh, lady uh, called the local um, wood mill, uh, lumber mill, and just asked a question. And uh, they had all been at a gathering the night before in this one little Oregon town. And uh, 200 people all got sick. And, and then that's when they got the phone call next day. So, you know, somebody's uh, looking at that town as a bunch of lab rats, I think. Uh, the good news is we're out here, you know, we're surrounded by a lot of trees and water and rivers. And, and, and it's uh, we're out of cell range. So, uh, you know, that's always a bonus. Um, and I think we're buffered a lot from stuff, but they still are messing with the weather big time. So we're really out there getting ready for planting and, and doing a lot of good stuff, building a new uh, little rock bridge over our new lake. Um, uh, Mike's out there finishing the lab right now, finished up our first greenhouse in zone one. So that's, uh, that's all I have to report. Yeah, and we uh, I did a little video, which will come out tomorrow, uh, doing some organite gifting with uh, one of my kids on the coast. And we talk about uh, how we can counter some of this stuff with great technology and real science. Uh, so and we can maybe touch on that a little bit today. Speaking of science, we have Mike Donio on today to go. Uh, he's essentially a I would call a whistleblower uh, from the realm of biotech and, and and with deep within the cult of scientism. He's come out. Uh, of the closet per se, and is here to uh, uh, have a discussion with us about this. Um, he, uh, Mike Donio tells us why he did not comply with the cootie mandate and that the quote unquote, the science is not to be trusted. Uh, biotech scientist Mike Donio has quite a story to tell 
With advanced degrees in biochemistry and molecular biology from esteemed universities, including a concentration in biotechnology enterprise from Johns Hopkins, he'll share the inside scoop on the so-called scientific method. Uh, during Mike's two decades in the biotech and pharmaceutical industry, he witnessed firsthand how trusting the science is exactly what we shouldn't do and what the scientific, me scientific method really is. He's going to show us the unknown mechanism for most approved drugs and improper models and artifacts of preparation, insider knowledge about the reproducibility, crisis, cancer, viruses, and fraudulent tests. This experience spans the spectrum of drug discovery ranging from target identification through preclinical and IND enabling studies. Mike can explain a little bit of what that means. Uh, his first job as a scientist was in the lab of a top infectious disease doctor doing HIV research. Following that, he went into the pharma industry working several years at Sharing Plow, which was subsequently acquired by Merck. Next, he decided to mix things up and worked for a few years at Eurofins, a contract research organization. Finally, he spent the last six years at a biotech company in the immuno-oncology space, where he was most recently a senior scientist developing antibodies to treat cancer. Wow, that's a mouthful there. Antibodies, got it. We'll we'll touch on <laughs> antibodies a little bit. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> the language itself is so comical. Um, yeah. Despite this extensive experience and accomplishments over the last twenty years, twenty years, Mike, you look like uh, you just got out of college, man. You look great. For, um, man, you're doing Thank something you. right. Um, uh, Mike, <laughs> Mike was let go from his most recent He's Italian. Time. Yeah, it's the Italiano mm -hmm. genetics. Um, he was let go from his most recent role at the biotech company for not complying with the cootie mandate due to his deeply held religious beliefs. Mike's aim is to encourage more scientists to speak out and for the people to become their own experts. Here, here, we couldn't agree more. And Mike's courage to speak the truth during these times of universal deceit bespeaks the revolution and consciousness now underway. Berlando, this will be a treat. To have Mike on board. Absolutely. Thanks for being with us, Mike. And I want to tell you um, right off that I really admire the, the, the path you've walked. And um, I believe that uh, more people like you are sorely needed right now to turn things around. Um, you know, it's a great act of courage just to speak the truth these days, because you get the whole ridicule of the of the uh, orc class, we'll say. And um but, you know, you risked a lot and you also paid a price. So so that takes a lot of courage. Absolutely. So thank you for that. We all, I think, should thank you. Um, you know, th there's so much to talk about. I don't know where to start almost. But, um, you know, we're, we're really going to go into science as, as we think of it. And I think of uh, science as a, uh, you know, an individual thing myself, you know, I don't believe there should be a special class of people that are considered the only ones capable of engaging in science. Science is, of course, just about knowledge and knowledge is taking information and then applying that, having experience. And then when you have your own experience, then that becomes knowledge. I believe on the level of the soul that we are here to have our own experience, to gain knowledge through experience. And we've been deliberately taken out of the equation of the so-called scientific community and also the scientific method, which you're much more versed at than myself because 
you know, you spent your life in biotech. I'm more of a, a clinician. I had to learn what I had to learn just to, you know, get to do the hands-on work that I do. But um, the scientific method itself is all about somehow removing uh, the experimenter from the experiment, which I, I don't buy that that's possible. And, you know, I have a lot of ideas and I don't expect you to agree with any or all of them. So we just want to hear, uh, you know, what you have to say. Uh, one last, uh, sorry, I'm throwing the kitchen sink at you here today, but we'll, we'll um, I think where we'll start is uh, just how you came to the place where you decided not to comply with the cootie shot. And, you know, we'll talk a little bit in code right now so that the, uh, that the sensors, you know, uh, maybe will survive a week without another strike. Um, but uh, one thing I'd really like to talk about also is the whole AIDS situation, since you were in the middle of that one. Now, I was in the middle of it, you know, right in the beginning of the 80s, when I first had my private practice, and I saw a lot of people with that. Now, from a clinical standpoint, I quickly came to the conclusion that what they were blaming the symptoms on, the AIDS symptoms on a virus, that it just wasn't possible from what I was connecting in clinic. And uh, also from that, I came to the conclusion that this thing we call virus has another backstory as well. And, and again, I don't expect you to agree with that. And I'm not sure where you stand with that because we haven't spoken yet. Uh, a, a, a notable person who first came out as virologist, Stefan Lanka, who was uh, in the last movie we all did together in Terrain. And um, so he, he was uh, one of those early heroes. And now there's a lot of uh, other amazing doctors that you know are coming to the same conclusion. So um, I'd like to compare notes, you know, like, age from the perspective of a biotech uh, engineer researcher versus just uh, kind of a blue collar clinician like myself. And uh, so why don't we start out with how did you get to the place where maybe you started looking at things a little askance in the first place? Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, first, I mean, thank you. Thank you both for having me on today. This is really great to be here with you and for, for having the opportunity to, to speak out. Um, I'm just, I'm grateful. Um, in, in terms of how I got to be, or, you know, on this path of where I am right now, I mean, I suppose, um, I've always been someone who has asked questions, right? Um, even back when I was doing that HIV research, which was kind of one of my first jobs, and that was in more of an academic lab. So I never necessarily intended to be in industry. Actually, I would almost say that I, that probably wasn't my goal at, back when I got started because I didn't, even then I was very apprehensive about what was going on in industry, but um, I wound up falling into it eventually regardless of that. Um, but always, always was kind of skeptical about certain things. And, you know, a good example of that is, is the, the HIV work that I did. So I worked with this uh, top um, infectious disease doctor who studied at NIH under the infamous Dr. Fauci. Um, and his, his dad was actually a world-renowned infectious disease doctor who was also had some relationship with Fauci. And 
nothing, nothing, you know, both, in, you know, really good, really good people, nothing against them. But um, here I am working in this, this lab doing HIV research, young scientists, and there were just things that didn't add up to me. So I, of course, start searching and come up with all, <laughs> and I'm looking at all this stuff about why HIV doesn't cause or might not cause AIDS and stumbling upon people like Peter Duesberg and all those sorts and all this kinds of research. And so I've, I've always been this kind of person that's questioned things and throughout my whole career, you know, was kind of a thorn in a lot of people's sides in terms of asking questions that probably, you know, you're not supposed to ask in, in meetings and things when data is being presented. And um, so along comes, comes COVID and um you know, I had had um, some major issues—not uh, issues. I guess I guess crises in my life in the past couple of years. I lost my dad three years ago to pancreatic cancer, and that really caused me to really. Well, it was eye-opening in a lot of ways, but it also I caused me to strengthen my faith a lot. And so, going into COVID. I'm already kind of skeptical of things, really asking a lot of questions about what in the world is going on here. Um, very strong in, in my faith. And when it came time to um, decide what am I going to do about my job? And they said, you've got to take the cootie shot, as you say, or, uh, you know, or we're going to terminate you. You know, um, I just, based on all the, the research that I had done myself and, and the questions that I had, and my, my religious beliefs, I just, I couldn't do it. And so, you know, here I am. Um, but I, I don't know, it was one of these things that, I don't know, I, I have been told repeatedly by, by people that I thought were people, you know, friends in the industry, by recruiters that I should know better, right? Because I'm a scientist and I've spent all this time as a researcher. And so I should know better and just take the thing. And I said, yeah, except for I do know better. And that's why I didn't. <laughs> um, and now I, I'm grateful to have had the support from my wife and from friends that kind of enabled me to, to take the big step of kind of you know, of losing my job and, and affect my career because now, I mean, it's pretty much industry-wide that you have to do this and nobody will give you the time of day really if you don't. Um, so I'm kind of out here on my own and that's fine. I, I kind of feel in some ways that I've been, I've been freed from that work because it, it is, it is very kind of soul crushing work that's done in these, these biotechs. When you look at what they're doing, it seems nice. It's a nice package on the outside. When you look at their fancy websites and everything, and they make a strong case that they're all about the patient and everything, but you know, coming from the inside, that's certainly not in any way, shape or form the case. And so um, it's, it's in some ways it's been very liberating to be out of that and be able to speak the truth. Um, and I just, I guess I feel like I've been given a, a you know, a, a chance to, to do something with this and I may not have asked for it. Nobody in the last couple of years has asked for this. No, nobody wakes up and says, you know, and, and, and wants this sort of thing. But I think it's, 
how we respond to it and what we do when, when we're called to act like this is what really defines us. And, you know, so I, I just have felt very strongly that this was the correct path for me. And, you know, I, I've connected with a lot of incredible people like you guys and, um, it, you know, it's been, it's been quite a journey and I'm just grateful, uh, to have these opportunities like this to speak out. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, I mean, just amazing, you know, because most people will not step up uh, for so many reasons. So I'd like to talk a little bit, maybe we're getting ahead of the discussion a bit, but uh, I'd like to talk about, you know, maybe the future of science. Now, you obviously have some amazing skill sets and experience. And then within science itself, maybe we'd use this to segue into scientific method, what that really is. Um, you know, there are some major flaws from my perspective as far as the scientific method. So how do we translate your skill set, um, you know, into, you know, maybe revamping an entirely different foundation as far as, you know, how this universe really works in the first place, and then applying those skills, technological skills and so forth, you know, based on this new foundation. Do you see, uh, you know, that kind of transition possible? And by the way, um, I really believe uh, people like you are going to be vindicated, not years down the road, but in the next few months, because you are on the right side of history, as far as I'm concerned. And we're living in a time where things are unraveling uh, very quickly. Uh, the, the timeline is greatly sped up and the people that have been, pushing all the phony narratives are already having egg on their face. So I think you're going to be better off than most. So how do we get through this transition so that we can take, you know, maybe what's salvageable from, uh, you know, the, the old system, the technologies, and then base it on some real true foundations. Yeah. Because I think, I think as you're saying, there's clearly a need to have, science but real science not this scientism stuff that we've all come to under to see uh front and center the last two years um and the science to i guess so to that end i mean the industry it's obviously not a tiny small challenge to go about rethinking this the the industry and the people at the top have quite a stranglehold on any ability to do research and how it's supposed to be done and all these different things. But I don't think that means that you can't think outside the box and you can't come up with a new way to do it in sort of a parallel system. Um, if you're, if you're grounded on solid science, real scientific principles, and that gets to the, the scientific method. And I don't know, I mean, I, I could, understand and I'd, I'd like to hear more about what you're saying about different ideas on the scientific method but I think we've got an issue right now where I don't know whether scientists are really even being taught the original scientific method or had not had to apply it properly or I mean it's almost like it's just completely been thrown out of the the equation so to speak um, because it it's just amazing what's 
going on in science and the quality, well, or the, I guess I should say the lack of quality of a lot of the research that's coming out. Um, when you look at things, there's this major issue of reproducibility in science um, that I've brought up a couple times because I think it's, I've, I've read a lot about it, about the, the, the papers and the studies that have been done and I've seen it myself firsthand and it's something that's well known that there's these issues, but again, nobody sees that it's a problem that data can't be reproduced, that many, repro many published research findings might be false. Um, and I think a lot of that comes down to things like how the, the experimentation is designed in the first place and how the scientific method is not you know, not used or not appropriately used. And, um, and what it's led to is just a tremendous amount of false data that becomes belief, right? And that's how we come to a situation where it's just trust the science because there's really nothing behind it. And we have all of this, all of this literature, all of these studies out now that are underpinned on other studies, right? And if they're all questionable, um, you know, then what do you have? You have a house of cards. I mean, we have to have some way to clearly define a method or something that, that we can use that can allow us to, to ask questions in a meaningful way and, and get answers that, um, that are interpretable by something other than just some arbitrary statistical analysis or, um, uh, or, or are easily biased. I mean, there's, there's so many of these crazy things that scientists do um, with their data and just kind of going off on their own paths and how they design um, experiments. And I think a lot of that is bred by the system itself. Um, and you just kind of fall into these, these traps and get sucked into it and you wind up then perpetuating it in a way, in the same way that we wind up being dependent on trusting the science and trusting the experts. There's a lot of dependence that gets bred in there with, with a lot of this stuff, just by the nature of the system. Um, so the scientific method, um, you know, it's supposed to be about a, a kind of a, a, a way to go about question, well, um, I don't know, a, a systematic way to question something and then ensure that you're being rigorous and designing an appropriate experiment. But the problem is, I don't think people are clear with what they're intending to do in the first place. So you're supposed to start with a hypothesis, right? Which is supposed to be built on, on something that you've gone and, you know, that you've been researching. And then you're supposed to design an experiment that should enable you to make sense of whether that hypothesis might be valid or not. But I think what happens is the hypothesis is 
either thrown out altogether or it's not clearly defined. And then you go to the experiment and the experiment winds up, the methodology is all over the place because people just want to do what they want to do or they're not well taught and there's not enough standardization of things. So things just get kind of thrown all over the place. And then you also don't have any, nobody wants to, to discuss what assumptions you're taking. There's a tremendous amount of assumptions that are being, that are being taken when you're going into any kind of an experimental setting. And there's never any discussion about that. There's never any, any, anything there up front when you're designing the experiment. You go through the experiment, there's clearly impacts of any experimental procedure on the samples that you're doing. Nobody factors in anything of that nature into the interpretation of the data. There's, there's well known that, there's, that these procedures are gonna have uh, the potential to generate artifacts and things. Then you get to the, the data part, right? And even there, it's so arbitrary a lot of times what people do, but there should be rigorous, you know, very specific data analysis that's applied so that you can come to, you can draw clear conclusions. It shouldn't, you shouldn't have to go through this stuff and struggle to figure out, well, how did they come up with this conclusion or not based on this data set? And, and I see that all the time when I look at papers. Um, and then, you know, what it comes down to is, was the hypothesis valid or not? And if it's not, then you go back to the drawing board and there should be an extremely high bar to be able to say that something is, is valid. I mean, there should be weight behind that. But what happens now is you just reach a point and because you've kind of not really even followed any process at all, you just say, okay, aha, we're done. You know, who cares if it's valid or not? This is, I got the intended outcome and now we're just going to move on. And yeah, is, it, is it, it seems like, is it fair to say, Mike, that we're, we're looking at a herd mentality that comes from a very young age being brought into the scientism cult, as I like to say, through academia, it's all mm -hmm. corporatism, right? So even, even in the foundational academic circles, that's corporatized because that everything is corporatized now. Everything is, is owned by some form of corporation, even you know all the governments, everything, all the academic circles. So what we're looking at here is literally like, I like to refer to like the Catholic church was for hundreds of years in the middle ages. It is dogma, it is systemic uh, from the ground up. And if you're not part of the herd, um, if you try to counter any of this, um, you are basically uh, kicked out of the club. And uh, did you see that in your own experience as someone who was questioning, which is the fundamental principle of science, supposed to be the fundamental principle right. of science, right? Question everything. Uh, and I know Einstein actually had whether even some people don't even believe Einstein was even a person now. But uh, <laughs> but but Einstein had an interesting quote um, about science and it's science is good unless you're doing it for somebody. In other words, as a job being paid by somebody, because then immediately the pursuit is um, essentially delegated towards um, working for somebody towards an end goal for either that be a monetization or some sort of dogmatic, um, you know, end result that they're trying to get. So, but just curious in your own experience, 
Um, did you have that where you started questioning and you saw immediately the dogmatic kind of in the club herd mentality um, come down upon you? Yeah, the, the short answer is absolutely yes. The, the longer answer is um, it's all about funding when you get into even in academic, academia. I mean, and, it, and all you have to do is look at where these these academic institutions and universities are, are getting their funding and it, it becomes pretty apparent um, what's going on because there, you know, a lot of it is coming from, from pharma, right? Pharma funds a lot of things. Um, and so it becomes hard to imagine that then you're doing independent research or your or research, or you're going to be uh, allowed to, to, do whatever you want and not be strongly guided by that funding. And the same thing happens in, in industry, right? Because it's all about the company. Um, and, you know, it's a little bit different when you're at a bigger company. So I was at in big pharma for a little bit. And then most recently I was in at a small biotech company. And, you know, when you're in a smaller company, especially a private one, it's all about the investors. But regardless, it's still the same kind of thing that the funding is is king. And there are a lot of people that, you know, you can ask them why they do things. And as crazy as it sounds, it's, well, you know, we just, we do what we do because we're trying to figure out what do the people with the money want, right? Um, I, I've seen it. I've seen it. And I've seen people get basically in trouble for it because then, they wind up going off and doing things that don't make sense or they make mistakes. And so it's incredibly led by, I guess, the money and it, and it totally distorts the ability to do any, anything really scientific. You know, it, it becomes all about building value in these, these drugs that, I mean, when, when you really look at them, I don't know, how that's possible in some cases because there's so much that's that, th that these companies put out about their drugs because they're trying to build value they're trying to promote their drugs but it's a lot of hocus pocus um if, if you really allowed the scientific process to play out it would again most of it would be shown to be invalid um but again in these companies with that kind of pressure you're right. It's exactly a, a herd mentality. Most people just kind of go along to get along in following the, that those pursuits. And there's clear, a clear reluctance to speaking out or going against it. Now, that's not to say I don't want to come off like there's nobody out there, you know, everybody in science, every scientist and every company is all in on it. Nobody is we're all in kind of lockstep with this stuff and nobody questions anything. I've worked with a lot of good people, different backgrounds that, that I've had a lot of great discussions with and questioning things. But the thing is that's, you know, in one-on-one -on, -one on the site, when it comes down to it in a meeting or whatever, a lot of people won't raise their hand and push back because yeah. they know, they know there's going to be retribution. I mean, I, I can almost guarantee that my, uh, speaking up has probably cost me, well, now it's obviously cost me, but what, you know, who cares? But, you know, when I was in there in, in the system that it cost me opportunities, but at the end of the day, I'm like, what do I, what do I care about getting ahead in a system that's 
so badly broken and, you know, uh, and moved so far away from the, from actual science. I mean, what does that really mean? So, so Mike, just to back up into the scientific method itself, you know, the greatest assumption of all, I believe, is that we are able to set up a completely sterile environment for an experiment to take place where the experimenters have no influence. And now that brings us uh, right to the, <laughs> the real fundamentals of uh, how do things work in the first place. And of course, if we look at what we consider science now, it's very young, uh, you know, uh, maybe what, a couple hundred years old or something. Mm -hmm. And prior to that, uh, there's great evidence that there were civilizations that have come and gone that were much in advance. And that a lot of what I would consider true science has been expunged because it's not good for vested interest, nor is it good if you want to keep people disempowered. So um, if we uh, take uh, science as we think of it today as one part of the equation and another whole half of the equation has been left out, which is the fact that, you know, we have a lot more to do with um, the creative process in the first place, which includes setting up an experimental situation, you know, and the old, I, I know a lot of these concepts, I'd be laughed off the stage of any kind of biotech uh, conference if I was a speaker or something, but there were levels of science, you know, we talk about them all the time here, we'll, we'll just loosely call them alchemy, because it was uh, a system of science that incorporates everything that we think of as science today, but then the other half was understanding that there's another whole element that we are not only, uh, you know, active in, but, you know, it is us. So we have been pretending that we just have these material uh, after effects and we, you know, focus solely on those rather than understanding you know, more the, the real science of waveform mechanics and things and our participation in creating that as far as how that gets there in the first place. And of course, you can't create, um, you know, some little bubble because we're talking about a level of um, subtle electronics that is going to penetrate any, you know, uh, in vitro, uh, you know, test tube experiment or anything, you know, there's nothing that can keep out that level of influence. So if you go into an experiment, you have a design, and I don't care who we are or how honest we are with ourselves, uh, we are influencing that. So my whole comment here is, shouldn't we be spending why, you know, I know why that's not happening. But if we spent time really researching with all the resources that you had available to yourself with these biotech companies, and be able to research how that influence occurs and then bottle that, <laughs> you know, now we really have some things that are, are, are going to further us and, uh, you know, take us beyond those civilizations that came before us. And all these civilizations said the same exact thing. And we have a lot of remnants of them, you know, that anybody can study. I did in all the alternative healing arts and so forth, where it explains, you know, a great, great deal. It did it in different terminologies, but it's absolutely congruous of what we think of as Western science. So uh, what's the possibility of uh, that level of integration? You know, going back to my first, uh, you know, maybe a deeper level, my first uh, question to you, and or does the whole thing just need to crumble down and all these people go away somehow so that we can start anew? 
Yeah. Well, yeah. To, I mean, I don't see how you can set up an experiment without being able, without having some, or not having any influence on it. I mean, you're already, especially the models that are used in science today. I mean, it's, it's a system that's barely has anything to do with an intact human in the first place. Um, they're so contrived and art artificial. It's, it's amazing when you see people try to translate it back into a human, even like the animal models that are used. I mean, it's still, it's, it's amazing how they think that they can get anything from it. Um, and so clearly there's, there's definitely things acting upon that. And I, I agree. It'd be really amazing to, to get to the bottom of that. Um, but in terms of building a new system, I mean, I don't know. Yeah. Obviously looking at it from my perspective, being inside system and everything, yeah, part of me probably would love to see it crumble, but I don't, I don't know whether that has to happen, but I think we need a willingness to really question the foundational aspects of these, of especially by, with respect to biology, you know, because like you said, there's so much that we think we know today, but it's only been known for a short period of time. And there's certainly many things that have been expunged from the record and really biology in itself, you know, biology and bio, anything related to biology, bio, bio, bios, bio means life. It's, it's a Greek derivation, but life, but that meaning of life really just is in terms of the, the flesh and the life, the existence of from birth to death. It doesn't really explain and allow exploration of anything beyond that. But there are other Greek words that are also translated to the English word life that go beyond that and, and kind of give a picture of, you know, this life beyond just um, the flesh. And it, it's because it's obviously so much more than that. And science wants to break it into looking at us like we're machines, right? And always re reduce it down to, you know, like a single gene that causes something or whatever. But I mean, it's just absurd to think that that, that that could be looked at like that. And so clearly there has to be a lot of rethinking of, um, and questioning of almost everything, but, you know, I don't know whether you can tear everything down because, you know, then even though it would be tempting, <laughs> but um, because we, we still kind of need to learn from, from what we've done and how we've gone wrong. Right. Um, I don't know if that, I think it's, no, I, I think it's a matter of building parallel systems mm -hmm. and incorporating the best of both worlds. Uh, that's what we're trying to do with our little humble project here. And, um, you know, not throwing the baby out with the bathwater. And, you know, it's tough working with the old institutionalized structure. And, and I absolutely agree with you. It's not some grand conspiracy where every single person on every level is in on it. 
you know, and, and trying to screw everybody over. <laughs> but one thing I, I'm pretty sure of is that there is a hierarchy and that every level of that hierarchy, you only know what you know at your level. And then the person, uh, the hierarchy level above you knows a little bit more and so forth. And I think at the top of the whole pyramid, um, you know, there are uh, interests that exceed just pecuniary and, uh, you know, gets more into control and, and, and uh, social engineering, we'll say. And I, I think it's not really a stretch to imagine that after, you know, what we've been witnessing these last two years. And in my career, um, I can scarcely believe what I've witnessed just, you know, over the last 40, 50 years. And starting going back to the AIDS epidemic and ferreting out the truth of what was behind that. And then seeing that it's, uh, in my opinion, a very well orchestrated sequential program that was uh, laid out even before then, you know, when we were kids in high school, uh, um, primary school lined up, you know, to get our little sock vac, uh, you know, sugar cube, and, uh, you know, then moving into all the steps leading up to the AIDS and now up to present time, you can see it's a very well thought out mm -hmm. agenda and at certain levels. Um, you know, people like yourself are dedicated and, and doing their best and really, you know, uh, you know, got their heart in the right place. And then at the other levels, um, you know, we're seeing the outcome of that right now on a larger global scale. So, uh, yeah, back to the same situation. I don't think we're going to be working with those people at the top of the pyramid. I don't think they're redeemable. That's just my opinion. But I think we can start creating with people like yourself that now are all of a sudden maybe not working in uh, that old domain. Uh, you know, there's uh, plenty of uh, places where you can put your efforts along with people that have been doing other kind of work and really create the complete package that would, you know, solve all of our problems in the first place. Yeah, that would be wonderful. I mean, and that's and that's why I think we we need to have more people that are that are willing to to speak up and and stand up and you know even though it is it is difficult and especially if you're still on the inside you may not want to give up what you think you have there or or face any kind of retribution but I mean if if we're gonna build a parallel research science system or whatever, you know, we need, we need a good group of people. We, you know, it's not going to be just one person or whatever, you know, we need a lot of good minds in on it and really putting their heads together to come up with, with creative ideas to, to parse out what's the best of the old system. And then how do we, how do we build this new one? And um, yeah, you're right. It's definitely not going to be anything of the top level people in, in the industry because they, they clearly don't care. Um, and and as, as you were saying, it's very, very, especially in the bigger companies, it's very, very siloed there. You really don't have any over uh, oversight or, or anything on what is actually going on at, the, at those higher levels. In a smaller company, you get a little bit more. I'm kind of surprised at some of the things I've seen in the, at, at a smaller company, just I guess by nature of it, you're, it's uh, a much uh, flatter structure and you're in meetings and things with senior level people and investors and things. So you kind of get 
exposed to things that you you wouldn't otherwise at a bigger company and so that's that's interesting but those people yeah they wouldn't want to have you wouldn't want to have anything to do with them and they certainly wouldn't want to have anything to do with the parallel system that's for sure yeah well there is something to following the money as you bring up investors and things and i think what we're seeing here for the last well decades is the slow fracturing and destruction of the debt system the money system and as you know the parallel system is and from what i'm seeing is starting to really flourish one people are waking up because they push too hard because they are desperate to it's a race it's a race trying to essentially keep the ponzi going through globalism versus those who are waking up to it and seeing through the black magic in the narrative and it's exciting to me because I this race, I love races, first of all. Who doesn't love watching a good race? <laughs> but um, it, I think uh, decentralization is, is a prime aspect of what we're seeing to happen right now. And the decentralization of science um, especially is exciting to me because people will be able to self-fund through new mechanisms. And as this awakening is happening, which we know it is, I mean, we look at the conversations that are happening all around us and I'm in private groups with people discussing new ideas of science. Um, you know, we, before the show, I asked you, Mike, like, you know, what are you going to be doing now? Right. <laughs> like to make a living and this entrepreneurial pursuit that can happen through decentralization you know, whether that be starting your own company or a private business organization or something and start doing your own research as the awakening happens and, and welcoming people and that might not even have the academic background that have gone through all this mind control <laughs> academia, but are just smart people that you can bring in and you can start your own company or whatever your association organization and start doing this yourself. And um, that's what we're doing over here. And I think that's exciting, man. So have you looked into that at all in terms of what you can be doing as you know people start discovering what you're talking about and maybe looking into alternative forms of research to see, well, one, you know, you were just recently on a Health Freedom for Humanity podcast talking about the ridiculous uh, <laughs> in silico nature of what a virus is. Um, but um, countering that with, you know, new research on say pleomorphism or ways to engage with uh, the terrain in a way that would help people be healthier or whatnot. Um, what is your plan moving forward? Yeah. So, I mean, I am working on some ideas to try to start my own business, but on, on the side, I mean, I think we absolutely need to be moving toward uh, finding a way to do research because like you're saying, there are a lot of these things as we have these discussions about uh, viruses and things like what, like what you were just talking about, the one I had on Health Freedom for Humanity, we need to be able to do research to explore what's, what's, what's going on and other, um, other explanations for disease and what these things are doing and how they're interacting with us and obviously the current system there's no way you can you can do anything like that in that system because you can't get money and that's the biggest barrier so i'd love to figure out a way to raise the money because no investor nobody that ha has the money in the old system is going to give you any money to do any of that kind of research so the question is 
Um, and I think you make a great point of with the decentralization of maybe there are some new creative ways to, to raise money to do this work. And it might not also have to be, I mean, it's the system that's set up right now, it's incredibly expensive to do research, but there's a lot of stuff. There's a lot of aspects of that, new technologies and things that I don't know whether it's really worth it. Um, a lot of this genomic stuff, right? It's, it's so insanely expensive, but there's a lot of problems with it. Um, so I, <laughs> I mean, always I say it's just, a, it's just a Ponzi scheme to, to enrich oh. themselves through pseudoscience. Oh, yeah. And it's comical <laughs> how, how, how you, if you were to talk to new young PhDs coming out of grad school or out of a postdoc or something, how they just parrot the use of these new systems, these new genomics and omics, proteomics and things. I mean, be, like, like they're pseudo marketers for the technology because it's been so ingrained in them right now that this is the, the future. And it's just, yeah, it is quite a scheme, but I don't think you need any of that stuff. I think yeah. there should be a way to set up um, a lab or things, you know, in much more simply to answer the kinds of questions we're talking about. Um, but you still need some kind of funding, right? You can't do it for nothing. And you need to be able to have the, the infrastructure to, to build out the, the lab and, um, and have the people. So, uh, you know, it would be great to try to figure out a way to do that. And that's kind of, you know, what I'm hoping to connect with, and I have connected with, with some good people through the, the scientists for health freedom group that I've set up. Um, and so, you know, maybe as this kind of continues along and more people are able to put their heads together and more people decide they want to uh, stand up, you know, we'll be able to build a, a good group of people with strong experience that can put their heads together and put something together. I mean, you know, obviously that's not going <laughs> to um, help me personally to recover the income I've lost, but it's, it's a goal that I think is very that we have to have. I mean, we need to get to some sort of a different system to, to ask these kinds of questions. Cause right now, a lot of what we have is digging through old research. And I mean, that can be informative certainly. Uh, and it's really interesting to look at what was done. Some of it's just absolutely baffling and mind boggling, but um, a lot of the foundational work in, in some of these areas with respect to virology and, and other things, um, but that only takes you so far, right? I mean, at the end of the day, if, if we can find a way to do our own research and do it the right way, I think there's a tremendous amount of power in that. Um, you know, if nothing else, then to be able to counter what's coming out of the, the other system. I mean, for me, uh, this is bigger than just me. This is the, about the future, right? I, I have young kids. I, I want to hopefully have a system that they don't have to be stuck in the old system, right? They don't have to, that there's ways that the future will, the people will be able to defend against these things that got us into this situation that we're in now. And, and so um, that's a huge thing. You know, like I said, I'm trying to look at, I have some ideas and things I'm working on to start my own business, but obviously like it's, it's not easy because I kind of, I've had made all of these 
connections and things with all these people, hundreds of people in the industry. And it's like, all right, got to kind of throw those out because they don't want anything to do with me anymore. Yeah. So uh, yeah. it has been a little bit. You know, Mike, uh, the, the problem is we're looking to the wrong end of the, the telescope. And, uh, you know, we've been led down this reductionist system where we keep going into further minutia, which takes great funding and technology to uh, inspect on that level. Uh, facilities and and things that you know gobble up millions of dollars in a blink of an eye, hmm. but in reality, if we just you know shift to, you know invert our access of awareness and realize that all the answers are right under our nose already, and that uh, like Mike was saying in a decentralized fashion, if you have many practitioners of different types and people like yourself that are in modest laboratories, you know, I'm building one out here for myself right now. You can prove out things very easily in a very economical way. And if you understand what really makes things tick in the first place, you don't have to go to that level of minutia. In fact, you find that when you do, you most often lose the forest through the trees. So um, again, I think that's part of the scam is to bring us into this endless, um, you know, inspection of, you know, further minutia where we really never get anywhere. And then, you know, you also have to differentiate between, um, you know, science and actual uh, functional, you know, like in the field of medicine, uh, functional medicine is you learn how things work on that most authentic level. And there are many practitioners, I can tell you from firsthand experience, that are, you know, getting excellent results in that way without, uh, you know, having the ability to have expensive technology, you know, down to the DNA level and everything, because uh, at that functional level, you understand how that DNA comes into place in the first place, rather than inverting your thinking and, and, and thinking you have to look at that firsthand when, you know, the cause is right up here and you don't even have to, you know, have any of that stuff in the first place. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, we don't really need all the stuff that we uh, think we need to have. We don't have to have billion dollar facilities. All that stuff would be great someday down the road to work both ends if we had an honest system and, uh, you know, a non-predatory kind of arrangement where others weren't trying to control others. But for right now, we can get uh, way further down the road just on our own through this decentralization, taking people with your skill levels. Uh, people like myself that, you know, are just working kind of on the front lines in different ways and put our heads together. So uh, what do you, what do you think? Um, are there more people like yourself that are ready to just kind of have a major shift in their perspective and go to work in a different way? Um, I think, I think slowly, but surely. And I think, I think the more people that, that speak out, you know, maybe, some of those, the people will kind of crawl out from under their hiding place. Even, I think even more will come out and be more confident about not having to leave behind whatever, you know, there's so many people that, Oh, you know, it's my life's work or, you know, they just so stuck in the system, but yet they're, they question things. And I don't know, I think the more people that we can get to, to come out, 
that'll just breed even more people coming out. You know, it's, it's always toughest for the first people that come out, but I think as more and more, it, you, it just kind of pulls more people out. And I think, uh, you know, I'm hopeful that we're going to wind up with, with a lot of good people. You know, like I said, I've already connected with a, a number of good scientists and doctors and um, that I think are very willing to, to explore these things. So um, I think only more will, will come out. And I think, you know, we really, we really need more to to come out. (laughs) And there's such a rich, uh, in terms of biology, such a rich history of, of what Bear was mentioning of people like Enderline, Gaston, Naissons, these true scientists that were doing things that, that we can go back to and, and do further study on like the Biggleson brothers are a great example. Um, There are people out there doing the real science um, and it's really with basic observation and diagnostics that aren't so complicated. And as I said earlier, in silico, which is what where they're driving all the technology and all the science to is inside the computer and away from the natural observations, right? Using something like dark field microscopy and, and things like that. So um, mm-hmm. I think there's a great tradition that we can look back to as well, even like Tesla, Walter Russell, all these people we talked about. Um, and, um, and embrace that what's already been done and bring it back to the forefront, right. In a decentralized Mm -hmm. way. And I think there's going to be a lot of really fun funding mechanisms too, Mike, that I could talk to you offline, um, where we've seen, you know, crowd crowdfunding things. And, and, um, I think the true wealth is going to be coming from the consciousness explosion and the human aspect of people coming over more than the money. I, I truly agree. And I, and you are so right. You are a pioneer here because you had the guts to step out and inspire others to do so. And uh, we so appreciate that. Um, in terms of diagnostics and, and things, and actually a philosophical, we need a philosophical new ground floor too, right? To understand what the observer is and what natural sciences really are. Um, have you been inspired recently as you've been stepping out? I know you've involved in some private telegram groups and stuff, seeing <clears throat> new, new ways of thinking about what the scientific method really can be and what it should be in terms of what, who the observer is and what the philosophical kind <clears throat> of, you know, infrastructure or base layer of what science really needs to be. That, you know, yeah. It's kind of a loaded question there, but... <clears throat> Yeah, no, I mean, I'll be the first to admit that there's a lot that I don't know. And I, you know, I've learned a great deal myself over the last couple of years, being a part of these kinds of groups, like you're talking about. I mean, I think there's a lot of great ideas that are being discussed. And, you know, you don't have to be a so-called expert either. I mean, I'm seeing a lot of different, different people, different, with different, coming from different backgrounds that have great ideas. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I think there's, there's a lot of good, good stuff out there now with, within these communities where people are, you know, when, when, when they're able to think for themselves and, and do, do the work and not be told, well, you're, you know, who cares about what you think is you're not an expert, then you can actually come up with some really, really intriguing ideas. Um, and yeah. So, I mean, I think there's a lot, I, I can't, um, you know, recall a lot of specifics off my head, if you, you know, off the top of my head, but yeah, I mean, 
there, there have been a lot of great discussions. And I think a lot of it comes down to really reevaluating what we think we know already. Um, because again, we're told to trust so much without being able to go back and say, well, well, why show us the proof, show us that it show you know, and, and so it, I think it really comes down to being able to go back and, and, you know, a lot of what people have asked about and talked about, and I think it's great is really going back and looking at the foundational research on a lot of these uh, topics um, and seeing what the, the, the early people were doing like what you're talking about and, and building from there <clears throat> because it's a great way to, to learn where we got, where we got here, where we got these things from, but also be able to refute what is, what is coming out. Um, because, you know, everybody wants to just say, well, you're not an expert or you're not this or you're nuts or you're, but, you know, if you look at this stuff, and you go back and you look at how we came to these beliefs, <laughs> I'll say beliefs, claims, whatever, um, you know, it, it can be really enlightening. You can't, I mean, it's there if you, if you're willing to go look, right. Um, so yeah, there's, there's a lot of really good ideas uh, coming out. And I, I, for one, have learned a lot. And, you know, I, I think, I think, um, I think there'll be a lot, you know, people keep putting their heads together and keep uh, building these communities. I think there'll be, there's, there's a lot of creative energy that's, that's ready to, to spill out and come up with some great ideas. Yeah. And it's about building on, it's just as you said, Mike said, uh, building upon what's been here before, you know, ironically, we're talking today about, well, we don't want to just, um, you know, dismiss all the things that have come out of the last couple uh, hundred years of what we think of as Western science. But then at the same time, Western science has thrown out thousands of years of, uh, you know, uh, evidence and knowledge that came before. And, uh, you know, the greatest technology in the world that we have to, you know, keep reminding ourselves is the human body. You know, I had some great teachers along the way. One was an uh, osteopath from France, and he um, not only took us step by step over a number of years so that we could develop that fine tuning in our own hands to discern what even a surgeon wouldn't be able to see with their own eyes, but also uh, laid down the foundation as far as why our biological technology is superior to anything that anybody could create in the first place on a technological level. And all those technologies in the first place are really crude um, um, devices that are just mimicking what's already within us. So I believe science really should take the rightful place of being a, a method of self-observation. And through that understanding ourselves and taking responsibility for ourselves and, you know, again, going back to our initial discussion, science has become this taking us out of the equation, making believe like we aren't in the room in the first place. And with that, of course, we uh, abrogate our true potential to these technologies. So uh, we've got to somehow invert that back to 
ourselves. And, uh, you know, any good doctor out there in alternative medicine will tell you that uh, unless a patient is willing to engage and, you know, uh, maybe have a little handholding, but eventually take responsibility and become their own doctor that they're only going to get so far. So um, anyway, more of a, more of a comment than anything, but um, uh, you know, as far as, you know, what people like you bring to the table now, I, I think we can really get somewhere and we are all finding each other. So um, I, to me, it's, it's very encouraging what's happening right now. Yeah, Mike, and working in biotech, <laughs> you know, in these last few years, where was your observations there in terms of where that industry is going? It seems like it's kind of spinning out of control in some respects. The language, when you try to read these papers, which, you know, I've tried to do, it just seems like the vernacular has gotten so complex, especially with all the genomic stuff you were mentioning. Is that intentional? I mean, it seems like it's it's gotten to the point where it's like gibberish. It's gotten re so ridiculous. I mean, do you... Where, what's your opinion on that? And where did you see, see this all going? Yeah. I mean, it definitely has kind of spun a little bit out of control, especially with the, the events of the last couple of years. I mean, it was already going into some weird places with all of the um, like genomic stuff and everything. I mean, there's so many little companies, startups that have popped up in the last couple of years, especially now that have been all about, taking advantage of that technology and, you know, again, all more and more of this in silico stuff. So you're getting less and farther and farther away from actual science and observation, observational uh, research. Um, but yeah, I think you make a great point that one of the biggest barriers is terminology, right? And certainly with people that I talk to, they start to try to read up on stuff and they run into these terms and they go, okay, I don't know what the heck that means. So then let me go ask an expert. Right. And then you've, then you've given up that knowledge and that power and you've gone over to your favorite expert and then you're just leaning on them to tell you what to say. And so I don't know whether it was, you know, intentional, but it certainly, it certainly has made for a nice barrier to really be able to get in into the weeds and make sense for um, somebody who's not already there of what's going on. So whether or not it's intentional or not, it's, it's, a, it's a nice system because it's almost like it's its own language of science that you kind of have to deal with if you're going down the route of trying to do your own research. Because if you pick up any paper, um, you're, you're going to come across yeah, words that are going to seem like gibberish or whatever. Yeah. Well, I end up going down the Wikipedia trail where literally I end up having 30 tabs open because I have to go research what this word is. Mm -hmm. And then there's words in that. And I go, what's that word? And then it goes to that word. And before I know it, I'm so far away from the original article. And yeah, I mean, obviously it's, you know, as in terms of intention, it's, I think it's an after effect or it's a result of the entire systemic, you know, ridiculousness that we're looking at now from academia on up to this corporatization of science where everyone's so specialized, right? Everyone so has their own very specific specialization um, that they have to create their own vernacular. And then it, it does make it extremely hard to get through the weeds. So yeah, I've been there. And then of course, Wikipedia, how controlled is that? Mm. Um, 
but you're right. The experts thing, it's tough, man. So is there a way to simplify this? Do you see that happening? Or as Bear said, I mean, we keep kind of going back to this. What, where does this house of cards go? I mean, does it need to collapse or um, how do we figure this all out? Because it does seem so immense. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's obviously quite, it's, it's overwhelming enough for people that are, that are in it. I mean, I can say there's a lot of stuff that even I'm like, um, I pick up papers and stuff and, you know, you're like, what the heck does this, does this say? So I can't even imagine for people that are on the outside, how crazy it can seem when you're going through it. And I think one thing that we could think about is, and that I've been thinking about is how to make it more approachable so that you don't have to sit there and have 50 tabs open searching for, for terms, right? Because wouldn't that make it a lot easier if there was some kind of a resource um, that that either, well, I guess first and foremost, to provide a bunch of terminology and build a foundation of that terminology. So you have a starting place. And then from there, build up into, well, how in the world do I go about navigating, reading a scientific paper, looking at scientific data? How do I make heads or tails of this? Once I kind of get some of that vernacular under my wings a little bit and I feel a little bit more comfortable wading out into the, the deeper waters of the of, of the, the science so to speak um, and that's actually one of the ideas I've been thinking about is building this kind of a resource of putting together all all of this terminology and and not just from a from a level of what does it mean but where do these terms come from too I, I really like looking into where a lot of these terms were derived from because you can see how the, the meanings were changed through the years from where, where the original term was derived from the original Greek or Latin. Um, I mean, you know, science is derived from the Latin scientia, which means knowledge. But there's other crazy things like, I don't know if you're aware of pharmacology and pharmacy, where that was derived from the Greek, the pharmakeia, right? Which means sorcery and things, like, you know, so. Kind of, it, yeah interesting to dig into the terminology on a different level but it kind of but it can also be informative when you're going and and looking this stuff to see because i what i find is once you get past that barrier there's a lot in science that's got big words but that really is more simple than than you realize at first so if you can get past that barrier i think we can unlock for anybody that that wants to to do it can unlock a lot more uh, ability to do their own research, but it does. It is quite a formidable barrier um, getting around some of the tech, the terminology. And so, you know, that's why I was thinking of a way to make it more approachable um, and help people to do to to do that research themselves. Because we've got to take that power back. We can't just you know, look to, to other people to do this stuff for us. We have to know, know, be able to explore this knowledge so that we can know ourselves better. Um, I, I strongly believe it's all been encoded by design. I mean, other institutions look at, you know, when you look at like the tax code, um, <laughs> why does it yeah. have to be a code? And they didn't hide why that does one. it have to be... <laughs> Yeah, why does it have to be a million pages long? 
And, you know, then like you say, you look at the roots of some of these words that are just commonly used and they all have some sinister connotations. So why is that? And of course, is to take the average person out of the equation to make them believe that it's way over their head. You have to see a specialist. And um, so, you know, let's go back just a little bit. Now, we will have to speak in code on this one. Uh, you know, there's the other side of what's been going on here where now I've witnessed ample evidence for many, many years that a lot of medical procedures are deliberately not for our own good mm-hmm. and uh, culminating into present time where um, this seems to be the culmination of a very long-term devious plot to get rid of folks. So how many folks in the biotech industry are wrapping their minds around that? Or is it just too much truth to bear? Yeah, I think it is a lot of truth to bear. I mean, even as some of these things got rolled out um, with respect to the requirements, um, you know, there were times when it, it got so crazy even that people would say, wow, you know, I can't believe that it's gotten to this point or this almost seems like too much, but then, you know, it's like a fleeting thought because then they quickly revert and go, but I'm not going to, you know, I'm just going to still play along. So it's, it's, it's amazing because it's not that people don't see what's going on to some level, but the propensity to just almost flip a switch and be like, yeah, but I, you know, I'm just not going to worry about it. And, and, you know, it's just, it's kind of mind boggling. It is. (laughs) Well, and a lot of denial, but for good reason. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead, Mike. I was just going to say, it's interesting in your bio that you opted out because of your faith. And Mm -hmm. this brings in this notion of spirit, soul, which is obviously lacking from the Cartesian model of reductionist materialism, which is the ground, you know, of the scientific revolution. Um, interesting quote from Martin Luther uh, King Jr. Our scientific power has outrun our spiritual power. We have guided missiles and misguided men. And the interesting thing here is you, as someone who is a man of faith, how do we uh, merge those two? And is that maybe one of the most important missing things in what we can really use to help save science? Yeah, I, I mean, I think there's clearly been an intentional um, attempt at least to, to cut out the, the, the faith part and to almost replace that with the science, right? I mean, it's become almost a religion unto itself. But at the end of the day, um, you know, what you, what you find is a lot of this stuff really has strong foundations in, um, in, in faith, in the, you know, when you look at, uh, you know, the Bible, for example, because that's, that's, that's where I go. Um, and it's, it's hard to not, it's hard to ignore that when you're thinking about these things, but it's been clearly cut out of the thinking of modern mainstream science, probably intentionally, most likely. Um, But that doesn't mean that it's not something that is, should be an important part of the equation either, because it's who we are. 
you know, unless you, unless you, I mean, at least from my perspective, I don't think we're machines. I don't think we're just here to just be some kind of machines. I'm not, you know, I might be sitting here in like some kind of a flesh suit, but that's not really who we all are. Um, I think we're so much more than that. We all have so much more power than we realize. And if we're not taking that into account when we're, when we're doing science and, and, and thinking about this stuff, I think we're missing a lot. Um, yeah. I would argue that spiritual, as we think of it, is the real science, you know, and mm -hmm. instead we're looking at the uh, shadows on Plato's cave, you know, yeah, yeah, um, that's a great. You know, we're yeah. looking at after effects. Uh, so again, it's it all always boils down to the grand inversion. You know, we're we're again looking at things directly from the wrong perspective, and going back to what used to be called alchemy. Again, it was all about a spiritual science, mm -hmm. and uh, then learning <clears throat> how to create the after effects uh, by understanding those mechanisms and then being greatly empowered by that and realizing that you are not a victim of those after effects. You're actually the cause. And also there's a much bigger cause outside of yourself that we are uh, privileged to, let's just say, participate as an individualization of that's just my perspective. Yeah, yeah. The, the system has been pretty well built around trying to narrow the focus into anything but the, the spiritual and keep us looking at the cave, right? As, as you said, that's a great, that's a great example. Um, yeah, and you see that there's a related to spirit is morality. And that seems to be a missing piece of the pie in a lot of the scientism <laughs> these days. <laughs> mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. The great book you, you mentioned, and there's a lot of science within the great book. In fact, Bear, I finally got, I was messaging Marty Leeds yes, last night, um, this wonderful book by Marty Leeds, Lord Jesus Christ, which is all about math ingrained as the principal universal language of spirit. Wow. And so what we're talking about here with the Bible and with, with the traditional mystery schools and all that is essentially science. Um, and that's exciting. I think that people are like Marty are out there that are bringing that back to the fold that we can all witness this great revolution of consciousness as we start to understand what real science is, huh, Bear? That's, that's an amazing book, by the way. And I'd encourage uh, anybody to tune into Marty's Sunday morning. I don't want to say services, but he'll go into different topics, uh, uh, last week, it was uh, this last Sunday it was great. You know, he got into the whole understanding of Noah and what was really going on there. So I, I enjoy those immensely. I can't wait for him every Sunday now. So uh, but yeah, you go into, uh, you know, biblical studies from a whole different mindset and you realize, wow, there's a lot going on uh, that maybe um, my priest, you know, that taught me, you know, in my upbringing weren't quite glocking themselves, let alone, you know, conveying that truth to us. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah. When you, in your experience, uh, working in these firms, did you run across many people that, um, you know, were religious or believed in God or was it mostly atheists? 
there's there's definitely a lot of atheists, but there's actually a lot of people. And this is what really this was something that really surprised me um, because there there are a lot of people who are seemingly very faith based across a lot of different um, religious backgrounds and denominations and things. But and and some of them, you know, quite. Um, quite traditional and, and, and orthodox people that I've worked with that, that I would have almost, you know, I don't know, I don't want to say assumed, but I mean, it was just kind of surprising to see that their beliefs didn't factor in more to deciding how to approach the, the mandates that we were under. Um, and, and, but you're, you're right. It's not that there's definitely atheists, uh, but it's definitely not all which is kind of surprising. Um, and, and the fact, and again, I was really surprised at kind of how to, to see the reactions and how they how different people with different backgrounds kind of approached things the last few years. Um, you know, I, I was, it, the last company I was at was a very small company, but even then we had quite a bit of diversity in terms of uh, religious background but I was the only one who did any, who, you know, who stood up and, and did anything about it despite that. So I don't know what that says about the, their beliefs or the strength of their beliefs or, or anything like that. But, um, you know, I guess yeah. an interesting observation. Maybe you want to talk about it. <laughs> That's, uh, that is interesting. You know, I just want to ask you, you know, when I was, um, I was a recovering Catholic when I, you know, went into my medical studies and, uh, you know, yeah, just still kind of creating separation with my past in that respect. And then when I got into uh, just even pre-med, uh, you know, you're studying guidance physiology, it actually brought me back to spirit because it was just uh, with those studies, it was apparent to me that there's definitely an intelligence behind things. And mm -hmm. I was just marveling at all these uh, things that I was learning about. But then curiously, a lot of people that delve into the sciences go the opposite way and embrace atheism. Uh, so it, it, it's just funny how you can have such an opposite reaction with the same exact studies. Sorry, mm -hmm. Mike, I, I kind of jumped in front of you there, too. Uh, yeah, the mic. Mike, you were about to say something, I think. Sorry about that. Oh, which I was like, which Mike? Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, no, I, I, this has been a great conversation. And, um, I think Max Planck, you know, who's the famous scientist, he was the one that said scientism will never be able to uncover the greatest mysteries because as the observer, we're part of that mystery. So, mm -hmm. you know, we're, we're involved in a paradox here. And it really, I think, this is why I love philosophy, because I think we need to really get better philosophical infrastructure and base layer for science to really flourish. And we are indebted right now to these great classicists that were able to uncover this back in the Greek times and things. And just going back to all these wonderful, this heritage of philosophy, I think is, is really um, exciting to see because a lot of quote unquote scientists, I think are starting to, to see the, see the light in terms of the spirit aspect, the soul and all that, you know, Rudolf Steiner, we talk a lot uh, about a lot. He's coming up a lot now in conversations, even we're starting to see more Walter Russell discussion popping up. So I think we we're, 
we're in exciting times for science. I really do. And um, we're, we're here to help you and assist you, Mike, in any way we can in our own humble way, um, you know, uh, uh, to see you go uh, to these the next step towards creating your own entrepreneurial pursuits and exploring where science can really go because, um, you know, uh, the time is now. And it's exciting to see um, all of this unfolding in front of us right now. And we hope that uh, you are inspired on the daily, uh, people listening here, to not be <clears throat> considered yourself not an expert, right? The experts are not the experts. <laughs> That's for sure. So, um, Mike, um, any we're coming up here on an hour and a half. Uh, any uh, final things that you'd like to bring up to our audience, uh, what you've been up to or what you're planning to do? Also, this organization you've created, um, Embracing Scientists as they come out, maybe give us a little insight into what you're doing with that. Yeah. So, I mean, shortly after I was let go from my job, you know, I had a strong inclination to connect with other scientists. And, you know, I had a question was, are there other, there must be other scientists, but are there, are there really, and when, where are they? And can I connect with them? And it was, you know, there weren't, I, there was kind of like an absence of, of communities specifically to connecting scientists. So I said, all right, you know what, I'll just throw something up and see. And the idea was, um, it's not, for me at all, it was kind of like planting a seed, if you will, and hoping that it would just, and that's kind of what's happened. It's kind of organically grown and we've actually built, a, a, we've got a lot of really great people now, but so it's called Scientists for uh, Health Freedom. And um, the main things are, again, to connect scientists who uh, are willing to speak out, encourage more to speak out, connect them, have a community where they can interact, discuss ideas, but also to support anybody that's speaking out. So to, um, you know, to highlight anybody that's speaking out, we're going to make sure that whatever, if they're doing interviews or things that we're highlighting them. Um, I even want to start having discussions with scientists to give them an extra, um, you know, a, an extra vehicle to speak out. I really want to, strongly support anybody that's willing to speak out and to know that they'll that they'll be supported that their voice will be heard in one way shape or form so that's what it's really all about it's just because i know how hard it is for people to step out and to, to get the courage sometime to to speak out but i really believe that there's more people more and more that are asking questions that are that are seeing things change and that might be might be willing to actually to speak out and so you know i i hope they'll join us again it's you know i'm just part of the community and i just i just hope we can keep growing we already got like i said a great group of people and um the more that come and speak out the better the more we can can grow and and come up with with ideas for um you know hopefully a, a parallel research uh system right um so that's kind of what it's really really all about and i've been it started on telegram um with just a channel and a chat and i've kind of started little by little to to grow it beyond there into other social media platforms and things just because you never know where scientists are um kind of a fickle bunch you know we where where you're going to find scientists 
and being able to connect with them. And um, so I just thought, well, maybe spread out a little bit and see if you can connect with more people. And so as a, as a pure scientist of my nature, I'm just kind of experimenting with it. Right. And and seeing how, how it will grow on its own. And um, you know, it's, it's been great, but that's, that's, that's the thing with that. Um, You know, I, I hope, I really hope more people will be encouraged, will be um, motivated and encouraged to, to speak out. Well, thank you for speaking out yourself. Uh, again, you're a hero as far as I'm concerned. And um, thanks for being with us today. And uh, let's stay connected. And uh, who knows, maybe we can uh, have some joint ventures in the near future. Yeah, this is this has been wonderful. I I, I really really appreciate uh, being here with you guys today. And and yeah, I mean everything you guys are doing is is awesome. And um, I would be happy to to stay connected. That would be great. Hey, Mike, what's what's the uh, uh, what is the actual Telegram group? Oh, it's so the the channel is just it's scientists for health freedom, and then the chat is. S4HF. Uh, wonderful. And do you have a website or anything? Um, not, not really. I have okay. like a, like a Substack blog that I started up, but not really a formal website. Okay. Well, I'll put that in the show notes below so people can uh, interact there and support you. Um, do you have any kind of fundraising apparatus set up as of yet? No, I haven't. <laughs> I'm, I don't <laughs> let's, know. let's get that going. Yeah. You'd be surprised, man. Been, people, people want to support this kind of stuff with the energy of money. Money's just energy. And true, they'll, yeah. you know, it's not the, we were saying in the chat, money's the root of all evil because we're talking about big pharma controlling everything, but that's <laughs> that, because yeah. we've given them that power in many respects. Right. So let's take it back. Let's, let's support Mike and, and these scientists who, you know, whistleblowers are the most attacked people coming from the system. We've seen it in all areas from tech to doctors, to scientists. Um, you know, it's, it, it can be very scary. So People want to support you with their energy via money. So I would, I'd highly recommend setting up some GoFundMe or some kind of cool, even crypto wallets, you know, Bitcoin, Monero, Court. Love to get you up in Cordal and have a group set up there. You know, we have fully decentralized chats going on there in groups where you cannot be taken down. You can put a website up now. It's completely free and encrypted and totally decentralized, cannot be censored at all, ever. Wow. So um, that'd be awesome. Yeah. And yeah. And and also, Mike, you know, we can talk more behind the scenes, but we're in the midst of establishing foundations. Uh, there are many people that want uh, to help in a big way, and it will, you know, go well beyond GoFundMe and all the in the system things that take all your money in the first place. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know, we're, we're actively in that process and uh, a lot of people really want to join forces but they don't know what you know so they want to support people like you so let's uh, for sure let's talk about that maybe in a private conversation okay yeah that'd be great beautiful okay. beautiful guys well thanks again mike for joining us today if you guys resonated with this conversation please give us a thumbs up a like a share with your friends or family that really helps us get this information out to more people and help the great awakening expand. 
Um, if you're new to the new to us, uh, you can uh, find out more about us at alphavedic.com. That's A-L-F-A-V-E-D-I-C.com. Uh, we do have a telegram that's very vital and uh, very has a lot of action going on there. It's a great group. That's at t.me forward slash alphavedic. We are on Discord at alphabetic.com forward slash Discord, and we are making moves to have all of this on our own platform very soon here, which is very exciting as we move more and more decentralized. So thanks again, Mike, for joining us today. Um, please go support him, guys, and uh, we'll see you on Monday with the great David Icke will be streaming with us on Be Sovereign. That should be a really, really fun one. And then we'll be going deep into the Mandela effect on the following Thursday and mm. trip out on time <laughs> and trip out on all the good stuff that we love to talk about. So really fun. And thanks again, Mike. Thanks again, everyone, for joining us today. Remember, get outside, get your feet in the dirt, go for a hike, plant something. Mother Nature is our best teacher. We love her. She loves us. So let's engage every day with her. Love you guys. And we'll see you on Monday, Monday, special time, 9 a.m. Pacific standard time on Be Sovereign. I'll probably be on YouTube and such too, but please join us on Be Sovereign, the new platform, Sayer G's new platform with the great David Icke. Thanks guys. See you next time.